and we're on. Good evening, good evening, everybody. This is Chinchilla Picking Podcast. We always hope to be entertaining, educational, and uplifting because we want everyone to make money. It is June the tenth, twenty twenty-one. Another Thursday night. I hear the cicadas outside my house. They are loud. They are everywhere. They are all over the place. I wish I could buy the stock on cicadas, but you can't right now. So I cut my grass the other day, and it made them really angry. One landed on my nose. One landed on my nose. They were suicide diving into my face. It was, uh, they're annoying. They're kind of cute though. Well, I mean, don't tell that to the people who are putting them on pizza. (laughs) Ugh, gross. Frying them with eggs. Yeah, you know, kill off the wings and legs is what I hear. They're good. They're good to fish carp with. Are they? Yeah. Take them out here to Houston Woods or Brookville Lake and go to town. You'll catch some fish. Nice, nice. (laughs) Uh, If you guys don't know, if you're one of our non-Cincinnati area listeners, we are in Cincinnati, Ohio, and that's what we're talking about. Places around here. All right, guys. Rules, rules, rules. Here's the rules. Brandon and I meet up about five, ten minutes before we start the show, and we tell the other person what we're going to talk about. We don't discuss it until the time of the show and we do have a few things that we brought up that we both wanted to uh to really go back and forth on that we found out we disagree on so brandon since you have the most that i disagree with let's let you go first right so let's get that out of the way huh well you said that once uh you know once uh, in our past episodes that if you're gonna eat crow you might as well do it right away and i made a bad call on our instagram on John Deere ticker DE and I got in on this I thought we were getting a reversal of momentum here and uh, I was playing it off the MACD and the RSI and I made the mistake Uh, I don't think that I should have been playing this after a potential bear flag was forming and then also if you look at the MACD this thing was too choppy I bought in a couple of days ago already when the MACD was starting to level out and not cross the signal line. And really what I should have done is I should have looked at this. I should have pulled up the daily chart. And if you pull up the daily chart, look at the MACD, you can see this stock is not very predictable on the MACD. It is too choppy and I should have stayed away from it. We all make mistakes, but you know, here on the Chinchilla Picking Podcast, you can learn from ours. So hopefully, uh, we all take something from that. You know, yeah. Pay attention to your to your lines, and if you see that that bear flag forming, you know, stay away. You don't want to push the risk. You're, I feel like, from what you just told me, we're pushing the risk, hoping to go ahead and get that return, even though you saw the indicators that maybe I shouldn't do this. Yes, I should have. I, my, see, my thing was I cashed out on a lot last week, and and I did pretty well, and I was sitting on a lot of money, and I made the mistake of, of feeling like it was burning my pocket, and I started looking for things to buy this week. I couldn't find any. There's hard, To me, I see hardly any value in what I'm, other than what I'm already in, and I tried to force a trade, and I shouldn't have done it, so learn the lessons and move that's, on. Yeah, that's exactly that whole, uh, when people just cashed out of some trades that 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 mentality of i gotta get back into something else mm-hmm. that's what kills you that's what really drains your your account your wallet there you you 
don't have to get back into something else. You have to wait for the next opportunity is what you have to do. Yep, exactly. So, moving on here, though. You know, last week on this show, Bob from the Money Vikings was on, and he mentioned that he was afraid that the hedge funds were actually starting to take over Wall Street bets and use it for their own gain. And then right after that, this week, Wendy's hits the Wall Street bets, got high institutional ownership. Nelson Peltz is the chairman of Wendy's. He also owns the Tryan Fund, which is a large hedge fund. That hedge fund owns 12% of Wendy's. Nelson himself personally owns 7%. There is less than 4% short float on Wendy's. This was not a short target stock. There was no reason for that to happen at all. It, so, I mean, I think to me, that might just be proving Bob's point. There may be... You're not sticking to, to the hedge funds by driving Wendy's up. They made a, they made I mean, millions on, of dollars. By now, do you not believe that the institutions, the financial institutions have people inside these forums lead in the discussion in the way they want them to lead. Mm-hmm. Come on. Absolutely. Come on. Other than that, in the news, Jeff Bezos has announced that he's going to be the first ex-CEO to probably die in outer space next month. <laughs> he's taking... Yeah, you know, it may happen next month, but like... <laughs> um, no, he's actually, like, it's scheduled for July. It's scheduled for July for him to go. His blue, his blue Origins company to yep. send them up. Yep. I don't think he's going to die. I, I was just you're kidding. Talking about later on in life, when he goes on a big long journey or something. Nope. He's going next month he to test said it. He's the one he's going on next month. Yep. I think it so was July seventh. Wow. Yeah. He's not going to be the one flying it. He's got a crew. <laughs> I mean. He may look like Picard, but he's not Picard. <laughs> he's a passenger. <laughs> right. <laughs> I just feel that like with like Blue Origin, SpaceX, Virgin Galactic, all this commercial space exploration that's going on, one of these CEOs is, is gonna get is is going to want to spend their last days flying off to Mars or something and they're gonna just do it because they can. Because their companies have the the ability to produce that. A lot of these guys, by nature, are very high adrenaline and looking yeah. for adventures, and that that's why they did so well. They they don't mind taking risks. So I mean, look exactly. at Richard Branson, the guy just he's always doing something crazy, skydiving or flying he, or whatever. He's going up in, in the first tourist uh, flight of his Virgin Galactic. Is he? That's scheduled to happen the uh, end of this year, isn't it? Yeah, end of this year. Nice. Then you and I can go ahead and book some flights, and we go to space, Brandon. No thanks. We do the podcast <laughs> direct from space. <laughs> going to Mars. Uh, I'm taking this podcast with me to Mars. To Mars, baby. <laughs> to the moon. All right, go ahead. Let's keep going. All right. Then the G7 leadership, they had a meeting last week. Uh, and I think it was over the weekend, they agreed that they're going to work on a 15% global minimum tax. And they're specifically targeting the tax shelters like at the Cayman Islands, British Isles, and so forth. 
Chinese stocks kind of took a hit on this because most, actually all, Chinese stocks that are listed in the New York stock, the New York Stock Exchange, they are actually holding companies that are in the Cayman Islands. And it's actually not a tax shelter for them. That's not the reason why they're doing it. The reason why they have it set up that way is because China has a law that foreigners cannot directly invest in their companies. So what the Chinese companies do is they set up these holding companies in the Cayman Islands, promise their profits to these holding companies, and then they list the holding companies on the New York Stock Exchange and even on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. So that's the reason why they have their listings in the Cayman Islands. It's not a stock or it's not a tax issue. And in fact, they're still paying taxes to the Chinese government the way that they're supposed to. Um, the interesting thing is I don't think that the Cayman Islands government has actually commented on the G7 agreement, but their financial sort of central authority did. And one of the um, spokespersons for that said, we're not going to tax people on top of what they're already being taxed from their home countries. They actually assist the home countries or the companies in collecting taxes in the way that they're supposed to by law. And uh, But, you know, a lot of people, I think, were concerned, too, that, okay, well, these people are listed in the Cayman Islands. Is the Cayman Islands going to tax them on top of their home countries? And they said they're not going to do that. So I the hit on Chinese companies, I think, was a little bit overblown. I, I So I think this the whole thing with the Cayman Islands is is overblown, and I, I don't like what the G7 is trying to do. I personally, you know, the Cayman Islands are their own sovereign nation. They have a right to not tax or be a quote-unquote tax shelter to whoever they choose to. That's their mm-hmm. country. That's their right to do that as their own country. They are not part of the United States. We cannot tell them what to do with their financial institutions. Guys, leave them alone. If that's what they want to be, that's fine. And if, if American individuals find a way to legally move money over there and not pay tax, and they didn't they didn't do it illegally, but they legally moved the money over to that country's, you know, let it grow tax free. Great for them. Yeah. Some Great people. For them. Some people. A problem with that. Some people will say that's stealing, when in reality, it's just keeping more of the money you earned. <laughs> but, yeah, but that's not stealing. There's no way no. you can't do, define. If you define stealing, that's not stealing, because stealing is taking something that's not yours. All of that is theirs. They pay taxes on that. Say they had they had a million dollars, right? Mm-hmm. So they've already paid tax on this million dollars. They're going to move that million dollars now to another country, and in that other country, it's going to grow and grow and grow. But they're not going to pay taxes on it because that money is in another country. Right. That's how it works. Like they pay tax on the principal and the interest they earned. They earned in another country. It's like if you go to go work in. Uh, some other country and you pay taxes on your earnings in that country you shouldn't have to come back and pay taxes again on it in the right, United States. Exactly. Now some people are concerned and have been concerned for a long time about the setup of these Chinese companies where they're holding companies are what you're buying into and the reason being is that since you can't buy direct shares into this company 
then there's not going to be a possibility of any activist investors from the outside because they're not going to be able to make that, you know, have that kind of influence in a company if they can't buy direct shares into it. However, back in 2011, Yahoo was a huge investor in Alibaba and Alibaba was spending off Alipay and, and Yahoo, it didn't make them happy at all. Jack Ma didn't have to do this. Yahoo was investing in the holding company just like every other foreigner is doing. They were not direct owners of Alibaba, but Jack Ma still flew himself to the United States and negotiated a deal with Yahoo. So for Alibaba, that to me that was a good sign. I don't see any issues with the way they're set up at all. I, I think that as long as you're buying a reputable company, you're still fine. And I still think China, for the most part, the Chinese stocks are undervalued. Yeah, you've been pushing them, Tencent. I'm, been, I'm happy Tencent. about they it. Are undervalued. There's one out there. I think China has positioned itself well to be strong in the financial future. I think China has, uh, has really grown their ability to negotiate with bigger countries, such as the Soviet Union, United States, and Europe as a whole. I think the Chinese government as a whole has grown its ability to be a bigger influence via the number of carriers it has built over the past few years and having that influence there to say, we're going to buy your bonds at this price because we said so. And that has mm-hmm. an effect all around the world. Now, Charlie Munger bought Tencent for one of his funds. And then went on to yep. make the comment that the best companies in the world today are in China. I tend to agree with him right now. I, I, I like Charlie Munger. I really like Charlie Munger. And I wanted to ask you in particular, what's your benchmark for your investing? Like, what do you look at at the end of the year? And what 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 tells you if you were successful or not? The, the benchmark that I put myself up against is the goal I set for myself. Can I improve my portfolio that I'm actively trading in trading accounts, right? Not investment accounts. I have my accounts separated to where the account with this company is for investing and this account's for trading, right? Mm-hmm. Can I grow my trading, my whole trading account at 5% a week? That's my goal. As simple as that. What if I you- set that goal for myself. I continue to go set my, that goal for myself. And if as long as I am positive, positive, Every single week, week in, week out, my goal is five percent. If I if I only hit two or three percent, I'm actually happy with that. But I prefer five percent. And at the end of the year, if I have at least, I would say, over doubled my account at least once, then I will be satisfied with with my trading account. And, it, and but Brandon, it, again, I've been doing this for such a long time yeah. that every you know, you you always try to throw these questions at me and try to catch me, and I would. Oh no, I'm not trying to catch you. And not I know, I know, I know. But like, I've been doing this for such a long time that I have, I can, I can easily guarantee myself to over double my trading account year yeah. in year out. And you're not going to hit five percent every week, but no, you can do no, it a no. lot. And, and some weeks I even have a negative. Yeah, and that happens. Yeah, because. I think a lot of new traders. I'm not myself up over that either. Exactly. And here's the That's analogy I give to with people. It. Yeah, here's the analogy I give to people. I say, and I use Tom Brady because everybody knows him, right? When Tom Brady 
is in there and he's he's running down the field and then he throws the interception. Does he go and sulk on the sidelines and just say, no, coach, I don't want to go back in. I give up. This is too hard. No. No. He threw the interception. All right, move on. Let's go back on. Let's get back after. Let's score a TD the next time. And that's the mentality you have to have. It's like, all right, I messed up here. Fine. What can I learn from it? Let's move forward. Look what my boy Tony Romo, how many interceptions he threw. And he still wound up being an awesome quarterback. <laughs> well, hold on. That's subjective. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I remember watching a game with him, and he blew out one of his lungs, and he finished it, and he still won the game. Came back to win with a blown lung. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Legend. Yeah. You asked it. Uh, free- they should go back and oh, just yeah. give him a Super Bowl. Sorry. I'll stop. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> he deserves no. it. No. Uh, you asked pre-podcast, do you compare yourself to the S&P as a benchmark? So I say no. I, I compare my benchmark to, to what I've set myself for a goal for the, for the year, my yeah. trading account. My investments accounts, I hope I beat all the S&P, the Dow, the hedge funds, and all of them. I hope that one doubles every year. It doesn't, it, I, it doesn't but I, I do beat the S&P every year, guaranteed. I don't use it as a benchmark because... I don't like using those as the benchmarks. I've See, set a higher goal for myself. I expect better out of myself than that. I still do because that's now, what hedge funds and stuff and, and mutual funds, they measure themselves against the S&P 500. And I'm, to be honest that with why you. Are they all get above 30% on average? Huh? Oh, no. Is that why no, no. all of them don't get above 30% on average? Because <laughs> they all measure themselves by a lower... The- Trending thing. If you if you measure yourself by something higher, maybe you hit it. Maybe you fall short, but you just beat everybody else. So here's the thing: when when you're investing in a way that's going to beat the market, you cannot possibly, I don't think, at least, be a hedge fund manager and do that because oftentimes you're investing in ways that your clientele is not going to like and that they will not understand. 100% agree with that statement. So 100% agree with that statement. The best they're going to do is be right on track with the S&P 500. And most of them aren't even going to do that. So yep. And then even if you go in and even if they are investing and doing the contrarian method, most of those aren't going to last either because you're buying stocks that everybody's bearish on. And then your clientele is going to come and say, "Why the hell did you buy this stock? Everybody's telling you I, I should sell it." And then they're going to fire you. <laughs> so yep. there's a lot of incentives that make it very hard for a hedge fund to beat the market. But um, We're talking about individual retail yes. investors right now. Yeah. So I still, like for me, I beat the S&P 500. Oftentimes I'm just edging it out, just to be honest with you. I don't, I don't double my account yet. I'm not to your level of um, expertise on trading. But... I'm at a very comfortable level of, of investing, and I still can pick out stocks that will hit that three to five percent in a week. I just I don't think I do it as much as you do. You, you have it. You're smart enough to, to get that five percent a week. Everybody really is, but you made a dig, you did make a comment pre-podcast about a new beginner, a person in the first year. Yes, and that was the one part I actually did 100 percent agree with you on. That because someone in the first year, it's okay if you're just barely positive. I, uh, profitable, barely, like 1%, I would take that as a win. Because I'll, I'll be honest with you guys, my first year, 
I lost 100% of all my money I invested. So did I. Every last dime. And this is before you could retail trade with options, all right? So I did it just with stocks, no <laughs> options. Lost 100% of my money. That's how bad I was. 75, 75% of retail investors do that. Think about like just some of the, like how far you've come since the first day you invested. I remember the first stock I bought was Apple, and I bought it with my Scott Trade account. And I called Scott Trade and Scott asked them. Trade. I'm serious, <laughs> but this is going to sound really stupid, and maybe I should edit it out of the show. But I was wondering when my stock certificate was going to show up in the mail. <laughs> I thought I was still getting those. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I I had a Scott Trade account as well because that was the cheap account back. That was like. The Robin Hood of its day, seven dollar trades. Oh, Buy yeah. seven dollars, sell seven dollars, and hey, back then, it, you know, you couldn't get into the market with if you had less than a thousand dollars. It made no sense for you to buy or sell stocks. Yeah, because you, you had to cover fourteen dollars in trading fees. Yep, minimum. That was the minimum out there. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> okay, so we'll go on. Uh, Restoration Hardware is what I still call them, but they're RH now. They reported earnings last night. Uh, earnings per share, they came in at $4.89. Expected was $4.07. Revenue came in at $860.8 million. Expected was $751.5 million. One thing that I felt was interesting about this, their expectation is to be net debt-free by the end of the year. That's, wow, that's, that's crazy for a retail company yeah. to, uh, to do that. Yep. They also said, uh, made a comment regarding the current environment, um, the rebound. They, their expectation is that this year is going to be very similar to the roaring, roaring, roaring 20s for consumers. So a lot of energy and a lot of buying. Okay. All right. Stop right there. It, I mean, all right. Now I'm I'm a bear. I'm a bear on this company. <laughs> Just because of that, that expectation as to that's the reason for why they say they're going to achieve greatness is because the economy is going to be the war in 20s. I'm a bear. That's what they think, though. I say, that's... I say don't buy, sell this, short the stock, get out of it. In it. If that's their whole reason for why they're going up. No, no, no. That's not their whole reason. That's not their whole reason. Okay, well, they had they had consumer demand for their brand was I don't have this number. It was above one hundred percent. I think it was one hundred nine percent. So, lots of rebound for so restoration more hardware. People on earth want their brand than their you know. <laughs> no, I'm just no. Compare this is year over year, and then beyond that, they didn't really suffer last year during the COVID drop. And part of that is when you have a luxury brand, you have high-end customers, and the high-end customers, they may pause their spending during recessions, but they don't really lose their ability to spend. So these luxury brands, oftentimes, they come out okay. All right, so furniture across the board, I'm not going to name names, and Brandon knows why. I I still have a uh, somewhat position in, in, in the industry, and I'm not going to name names for that reason. I don't make comments on this sector for that reason publicly, but furniture across the board all was successful. All the major companies did amazing last year. It was because people were stuck at home, stuck at home and they wanted to remodel their homes. 
Mm-hmm. Most of them, Brandon. Most of them. Yeah. Um, interesting takeaways here. Return on equity. The five-year average for them on return on equity is 40.91%. Last year's return on equity was 116.74%. Income per employee is $61,280 per year. I just mentioned the return on uh, equity, five-year average, 40.91%. Their industry average is 16.02%. So that's a a huge, huge beat for restoration hardware there against their competitors. Here's return on equity, 116.74%. The industry is 11.07%. So more than 10 times the return on equity for restoration hardware versus their competitors. Gross margins, 46.53%, powered by the fact that they do not have seasonal products. I thought this was interesting. They don't have seasonal products. Therefore, they don't have the need to mark down as many products as their competitors do. You know, you have a situation where you come out with the fall colors, but when the fall's over, those are out of style, so you have to discontinue all the fall colors that didn't sell. They don't do that. Initially, when I was looking at this stock, I saw the price to earnings 61.4%, price to books at 33.27. I thought it was overvalued. I thought it was greatly overvalued. But then I looked at the three-year earnings per share growth rates, 291.14%. And that's why I say this company's fairly valued. If you want to buy it, I'm okay with it. I'm not buying it because it's not undervalued, but I still think you're going to get a positive return here. Even at the seven hundred dollars share, I'm neutral. neutral or I'm what? Neutral. You didn't. You didn't sell me. You didn't sell me on buying it, but you sold me on not being a drastic bear and chewing this up. I absolutely. I love this company. I don't love the price that it's at, but I'm okay with it. All right. Fair enough. What else you got, man? Craziest things I read on Stock Twits this week. We want to go into this because I know you've got some. I do have a few, so we're we're going to use this as our transition point. <laughs> you do yours, I'll do mine, and we'll transition. All righty. First one. I'm 19. I just quit my job. Where I? I'll start that over. I'm 19. I just quit my job where I made $1,000 a month. Now I spend 200 to 400 a day yoloing. Odits. I have no idea what that person was trying to say there, but they put Odits. Please buy the effing dip tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here you go. Ready? Wait. I okay. Got one. Okay. We'll alternate. Go ahead. Turn that poop into wine. Yeah. I'm for that. That one. Yeah. Go ahead. Drugs aren't bad if you do them right. I'll take your word for it, buddy. <laughs> I am more afraid of this Kenny G, Kenny G line. <laughs> I have no idea. No clue what it means. There was no picture, nothing that followed that. It was just that. <laughs> okay, here's one. What's the best trading book you've read? You are asking this on Stock Twits. Do you think these people read? <laughs> Pay attention. <laughs> Go to Reddit. Only when that would be better. <laughs> it probably would be um, quote unquote the only way I would sell 
is if I needed next month's rent money. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> wow, alright. There's so much to unpack in that statement. <laughs> <laughs> um, funny line from Stockman. There, there's the one for this week, guys. There's the one for this week. Alright, um... I'm going to skip out on a couple of mine, but there's a there's a number of things I do want to cover. I want to cover real quickly. I know this one, you have like one or two lines you want to mention about it. So I'm going to jump into uh, my stats here and let me read off a few stats about inflation. All right. Mm-hmm. CPI number came out today. Consumer price index or CPI was ju- uh, jumped 5% this month. Now the Fed Reserve meets on June 15th and 16th. I want to know based off this based off this jump, will they start to cut back on their QE or their buy-in? Yes or no? What do you think, Brandon? No. All right, because they're currently buying 120 billion dollars a month in treasuries and mortgage securities. So if you think the housing market is booming because they're giving loans out right and left, yes, it's because the government's just buying them. Mm-hmm. It's not because the banks actually believe in the consumers. And that's why treasury rates are down. Yeah. I mean, there's nobody in their right mind buying a 10-year yield right now at 1.49%. It makes no sense when you just had the CPI jump to 5% last last month. That's that's brainless. Exactly. And they started QE back up after 2007, 2008. What happened during that time? Because they wanted to create liquidity and keep interest rates low. That was their two goals that they had, create liquidity and keep interest rates low to get the the economy speed again after that drastic event, right? Then they accomplished that and they never quit it. They never quit. I I will say this, there's there's only two reasons that you would be buying a treasury right now. That's if you expect the rates to continue to drop and then you can trade it and sell it. You're not holding it for long term. Or... This is kind of a scary thought. If you think that 1.5% is the safest place for you to be. That's less than inflation, though. Oh, it's less than inflation, but... You're going to end up losing money, man. Yep. That that cost of bread is going to put you you homeless. (laughs) Your bread, your milk, your coffee, your gas. It's just going to make you homeless. You've got to... I I don't know anybody... uh, Actually, all right, let me let me rephrase this whole statement. I don't know a lot of people that work for me that get a five percent or more raise a year, and which is unfortunate. I, I don't have control over giving out those raises there, right? And it's unfortunate because they're not keeping up with inflation right now. So how do you beat so they're, inflation? They're getting poorer and poorer. High inflation hurts the middle class and the lower class. So it benefits the banks. Out, when you print out money, when you just print it out to pay for all these programs, you're actually making the poorer poorer and the middle class poor. Yeah, because that the value of the, of the money job. And what's funny is the rich people get the money first. So the top 1% that everybody complains about, they're the first ones to get this newly minted money. So they get to spend it while it's still valuable. Then it reaches your hands. By the time it reaches your hands, it's dropped. So you may have the same, you know, 
single dollar bill that a rich guy has if he got a dollar bill. But, you know, those banks and, and, and the CEOs of the banks and the people that get the money first, those people, they have more power with their money than you do. They've already turned that dollar into a dollar ten yep. by the time you get your dollar. So they're doing better. Yep, that sucks. Um, it, it, fr- it frustrates me, this whole inflation thing. Then now with that CPI number coming out the way it was, the Fed was playing defense with all their quotes that they were giving out there saying, we're not worried. You know, this is just going to be, uh, what was the word, the temporary? I couldn't remember the exact word they used, temporary. It's not going to be a permanent inflation rise. But when you see a 5% number, you haven't seen a number like that since before 1992. Right. right. It's, it's been a long time. I mean, you might even have to go back. If it starts getting higher, you might have to go back to the 70s here. And, and now you have the hyperinflation that everybody was worried about, and that's going to put us into a recession. Yep. I said at the beginning of the year on Facebook back in January, I think it was my New Year's post because I'm a dork, and I said that everybody's going to learn a lot about stagflation this year. And, and sure enough, we, we have. Yeah. I mean, even if it doesn't happen, everybody I knew everybody's going to be afraid of it. So, um, I mean, one of the things, how do you beat inflation? Like what you talked about, I know about your gold medallions and things like that, the gold coins. Um, there are other ways that you can do it. So, like, during the housing crash, one of the things that I did is I, I went out and I bought a bunch of antiques, uh, antique malls and uh, yard sales and things like that. And then certain collectibles, too, that are old and that I think will gain value over time. Those things tend to beat inflation. Art, you can do art. So you can go outside of the stock market with it. You can go outside of gold, even. And uh, when you have a recession and deflation, which precedes inflation, obviously, then you go and you, you buy these just like you would in the stock market for great deals, and then they'll you know, go up in value as inflation rises. It's definitely it's like, one way to do it. A little outside of the You can box, also so. invest in commodity companies. Yeah, you could do that, and you can do a commodity company. You could do it all. Just stay away. Gold, Just stay... Gold. Everybody remembers the great Beanie Baby bubble of 2000. Yes. I do. I don't know if everybody does, Brandon, but uh, I do. Everybody, all, all the girls listening to this, all the two girls that listen to our podcast <laughs> might still have a whole closet full of worthless Beanie Babies now. It's a, you know, it is interesting to me, though, too, because there are bubbles and collect. There's bubbles in every market. It's not just the stock market that it happens to. It happens everywhere. Yeah, you're right. There are bubbles all over the place, man. In the '90s, it was baseball cards. Um, couple of things. Oh, I want sorry, to talk go ahead. About. <laughs> couple of things I want to talk about. That I, I got my inflation burst out of me. Uh, that's that made me feel a lot better. I wanted to talk about SBCE. Last time I was on the show two weeks ago, I called it. I, it was at 22. I said, you know, go ahead and buy this. This is going to go up. There's definitely a reopening trade. It's at last time I checked, 35 dollars 49 If you haven't sold already and taken your profit, please sell, 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 sell. Take your profit. Don't be greedy, guys. Make money. Bulls make money. Pigs get slaughtered. Don't be greedy. Take your money and be happy. Um, SBCE is Virgin Galactic. If you don't know. We're talking about Blue Origins and Bezos and Virgin Galactic and SpaceX and all these corporations taking the lead in the space front. I actually love that. I want the private companies to really take the lead and be able to jump forward. NASA laid the groundwork for all these companies to be able to do that. 
Thank you, NASA. We would, ne- we would not be where we are if it wasn't for them, what they did during the 50s and 60s. Fortunately, we are where we're at now, and the private companies can take that mantle over and drive us into the next mm-hmm. uh, era here, and I appreciate that. So please keep going, guys. I would support you guys as long as I can. Another one I want to talk about is Riot, R-I-O-T. This is a blockchain, a Bitcoin mining one. It closed today at $31 flat. I know I keep talking about this one was uh, to keep lowering your cost basis as it went down. I would not buy it right now at 31 just because all the institutional institutional companies are not buying Bitcoin at the moment. They are pausing. They're not selling their Bitcoin, but they're not buying they're in a neutral hold state right now. And so I would be in a neutral hold state as far as day trading or swing trading riot right now. I would wait and see how this plays out and what what, what goes on with Bitcoin before I would make a move there. A little too much volatility with the institutional investors not buying in. We're still bullish on Bitcoin though, right? You are? Huh? You're still bullish on Bitcoin? I'm bullish, and again, I say this caveat every time when this comes up. I am bullish on Bitcoin for the long term. I'm bullish on Bitcoin for the five-year-plus term, yes. I think it's a great investment to hold in your long-term holdings. It's not something that you're going to day trade and you're gonna or swing trade and you're going to make 5 10% this month off of. No. There's, there's not a crypto ETF, is there? Why isn't there? There is. But there it's, is. But it's... The, that, the like, twins. So you twins could go. From, uh, can you go and buy? You can go and buy bit, like an ETF that holds Bitcoin and maybe even like Ether. And... Winklevoss, yeah, Winklevoss have something. Okay, I check that out, dude. Okay. In fact, guys, that listeners, next time I'll have that ready and available for you. The ETFs, the Winklevoss, I believe, have a couple of those going on. Cool. They've done very, very well because of uh, all the crypto. Of course, they were touting Bitcoin at less than a thousand. And they were putting their family's fortune into it at that time, so they're they're still doing very well. Nice. They they haven't. They're not hurting. Um, all right, uh, I have two more things I want to run through. Very, uh, I don't want to rush them, but you know, we can run through them quickly. One of them was Clover Health Investments C L O B. This was one of the Wall Street bets pumps. It hit his it hit its high at twenty eight eighty five, right? This came onto the news. Wall Street Bets was was all over the market saying, Hey, bye bye bye, this is pumped this up, let's get this going. They pumped it all the way up. Today it closed at fourteen thirty four. So everybody that got in and saw that it that it jumped immediately that first day up to like twenty and bought at twenty one, twenty two, saying, Oh, this is gonna go to a hundred and I'm gonna make tons of money. Yes, they're now down losing money right now, 1434. This is the kind of mentality I keep trying to warn people of. Don't follow the crowd. Like, if you see something jumping up from $10 to $20 and you have no idea the reasoning behind it, you don't understand no. the movement, then don't invest. Don't invest. Do you agree, Brandon? What uh, you, no, I absolutely advice? agree. Um, I saw a stock last night that I, I texted you about, and it appeared to be such a great value. This was actually kind of the opposite situation, where the price was so low on it that I couldn't believe it. It was trading at a PE of two, and 
price to book was like 0.87. I was like, this is unbelievable. And revenue last year was amazing. And then I saw they had sky high long-term debt and their debt to equity ratio was 2.27, I think, and or 2.28 or somewhere around there. And I was like, well, that's the reason, you know? So if you don't, but if you don't know why you shouldn't buy it. And in that case, I dug and dug and dug and dug and dug until I found the reason why it was trading for such a value and I decided not to do it but regardless just to come back to Dave's point here even on the opposite end if something's jumping you don't just buy it because it's jumping you need to know the reason why otherwise you're just going to be completely blind in the trade and have no idea what to do once you're actually in it right exactly exactly do your research make sure you know what you're doing stick to only the stocks you feel comfortable trading Stay with what works. Stick with what's comfortable, guys. This is how you hit five percent a week. This is, I mean, this is it. Five. I should, I should have started a new company called Five Percent a Week because that th- that is what I say all the time. Like, just go for five percent a week. Don't go for twenty or a hundred. Just five percent, guys. It's not yeah. hard. Now, see, with my trades, I do. I aim in between three and five percent most of the time. I hit it. Sometimes I don't. Most of the times I do. But I do find long-term value. And I buy those things uh, because for me, they just seem to be more, uh, more, not guaranteed, but more sure. So I always have right. investments on one end, and then on the other side, I, uh, sorry about that, on the other side, I have trades. So I, I kind of split my money up. Now, I know some people actually do it with separate accounts, but that drives me nuts. I can't do that. I keep it all on one account. Separate accounts keeps it better because of, of the goals I have for my swing trade, day trading, you know, it's so high and hard versus my goals for my investments. It's more longer term. I don't yeah. need to hit that 5% every single week, week in, week out. It, it probably you know? is better uh, strategically to do it that way, but it breaks my brain at the end of the year when I'm trying to do the math and I have separate accounts. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you hire a tax attorney and you don't mess with it. Yeah, that's uh, true. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, here's my call for the week. I really wanted to call this one. This one was actually given to me by a buddy of mine. He's a Kentuckian, so you know he had to read this one with his shoes off in order to do the math. But uh, that's a joke. If no one knew, <laughs> <laughs> it is. Thank you. Thank you for humoring me with a laugh there. Uh, he, he sent this one out to me, and I actually agree with it. I think it's a good call. I did some research into it. B-L-N-K, B-L-N-K, Blink Charging. With all the EV vehicles that are going to be pumping out in the next few years, Porsche keeps up in their sales of their EV vehicles. You, you have Tesla coming out. You have all the other higher-end EV vehicles, and you have the lower-end EV vehicles for the everyday person, such as, i.e., the Chevy Volt or one of these other ones. Charging stations are going to start popping up everywhere. Guess who's the biggest manufacturer that I know of that you can publicly trade? Blink charging, B L N K, blink charging, guys. I, this one's going to continue to move. It's a good long-term investment. It's a good swing trade. It's a good both. I'm a buyer. Do you think they'll get an I'm infrastructure contract? They they may on this new infrastructure bill. That's also another reason why I said swing trading is it looks good for this one. I'm a buyer, so I'm pulling up my stock account right now. I'm showing showing uh. Brandon, we're calling this at thirty-eight fifty. That's the buy price, thirty-eight fifty. We're gonna see this one go higher. 
Um, hopefully by next week, I'll be able to come on here and say, hey, it hit 43. I hope you sold, took your 5%. Or if you're a long-term buyer, hold on until it goes over 100. It may, it may not. But I believe they're going to have a lot of contracts coming soon. Nice. Final thoughts, Brandon. Go ahead, final thoughts. I don't have any. <laughs> no, I just uh, don't ask stock, tw- stock twits what books to read because they're not reading any over there. Hey, Dave, those guys don't read books I don't think at they do. all. I have no idea. Those guys get on there and some of the comments I read right now, I'm just like shaking my head like, wow. What is happening here? Wow. This is why you're losing money. This yeah. is why you're losing money. All right, guys. Uh, happy Thursday. I hope we've been entertaining, educational, uplifting because we want everyone to make money. Have a good night. Have a good night.